0: Forty nine is deep in the heart, like Joe Montana in the corner, deep farm. Garrison Hurts, stiff farm going ninety nine, don't get it twisted, one and all with five time. John Teller, Jerry Rice down the sideline, NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groove Walgreens Bill Bellachek, what all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the Forty Nine of Faithful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Forty Niner Faithful UK Show. On today's show, we're going to be previewing the game against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And today I'm joined by Stuart Rogerson. Hello, Stuart. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Do you want to tell our listeners where you're from, why you're a 49ers fan, and whether or not you've actually been to San Francisco?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, I I live down in a place called Gosport, next to Portsmouth. Uh, But I'm originally from the Isle of Man. So I've got a bit of a mixed accent. Um, became a 49ers fan. It was 1988, so probably the same as a lot of people, I should imagine, in the UK when they uh, they beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Yeah. One of the uh, abiding memories of that time was my parents had uh, gone round to a friend's house, taken me with them, and basically to shut me up, they put me in front of the TV, and. It was a Sunday afternoon so probably the week after and they showed a replay of it and it sticks in my mind it was Montana at John Taylor and that was that was the moment there and uh, I'd been watching the NFL on Channel 4 uh, a bit beforehand but I'd never really never really clicked with the team but uh, at that age, I'm, I'm an unabashed glory hunter, basically, with the 49ers, and it's been that way ever since.
0: Yeah, I think we all are at that age as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and just um, after
0: but, we uh, spoke uh, pre, pre-recording and I said uh, I normally go off down a rabbit hole, it's just reminded us there when you said the Bengals. I actually won a signed jersey from one of those Bengals um, just the other day. It was the uh, Anthony Munez uh, jersey. Wow. One of the greatest defensive linemen ever to play the game. Absolutely.
1: That's, a, that's a hell of a thing to have.
0: Yeah. Have you ever been to San Francisco?
1: No, no. The closest I've got is Las Vegas. But um, it's definitely on the it's definitely on the list of things I want to do. Um, but as with all things, family and everything, commitments, it's, uh, and the wife, the wife's not really interested. So it's kind of, it's low on the pecking order at the moment. But one day, one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, you'll get there. I can yeah. completely understand that. Um, I'm married with two kids, and uh, I try to put the family first. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I can well understand that.
1: It's a shame. It's a shame, really, because I really would have loved to have got to candlestick before it got demolished. But
0: So that's what actually prompted me to go to San Francisco. Um, the very first time I went was 2013. Um, and it was basically on the, the first anniversary of my father's death. And I remember spending the last week with my dad in, in hospital. And he turned around and he said he didn't have, didn't have any regrets. He, he'd done everything he wanted to do. He was quite proud of his kids. I'm the middle of three sons he had. Um, and on the anniversary, it kind of stuck in my mind what he'd said. He had no regrets. And I thought, well, if I don't go out a candlestick this year, the final season, uh, and see a game there, I'll, I'm going to regret that. And that's yeah. what prompted us to go to San Francisco for the first time. Yeah. And then all the other times, I don't have an excuse for, <laughs> other yeah. than I'm greedy <laughs> Yeah. So I've been to Candlestick once and uh, Levi's four times and I'm I'm flying out there again in a fortnight for the uh, the Packers game. So I'm yeah. kind of spoiled. I've spoiled myself a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. But that's going to be a hell of a game, isn't it? So that's something to look yeah. forward.
0: So if you follow the 49ers since the 80s, um, I'm guessing you you have multi-layers of favourite players. You'll, you'll have the original Roster, the original team, that you'd have a favorite player, and then you've got today's favorite players as well. Which which ones are those?
1: Well, going back to the originals, it was always going to be Montana because he's the one that was the focus point when I watched it. There's a picture. My parents got a picture of me when I was about, I think I was nine. It was the Christmas after they'd won the Super Bowl against the Bengals, and I'm, I'm full stash. I've got the kids' uniform on with the sixteen on the shirt and the plastic helmet on. It's really embarrassing. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I mean, Montana was it. I mean, obviously, after that, I didn't really, in the well, Terrell Owens, great, football player. He was a favourite. Um, But my my, my all time favourite player is Justin Smith. I, the man, you can do no wrong in my eyes. He's a, a great player. Justin Smith. Yeah. 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 Um, he was absolutely fantastic, the Cowboy. Fantastic player. Um, but modern day, I mean, this team, well, well I'm, I'm just happy that we are where we are now. I mean, you, Any number of players could be my favourite at the moment. I mean, Nick Bosa, you, know, you watch some of the plays he makes now and it just reminds you of Justin Smith, the way he plays, the way yeah. he's starting to bull rush players and things. And it's it's uh, yeah, it's brilliant to see.
0: Uh, yeah, it certainly is. Okay, so we head into Monday Night Football on the back of an eight, game win streak and what was looking like we'd be feeling a near full strength roster. However, as the week's progressed, we've seen news coming out of Levi's of a potentially devastating blow to the 49ers offence with George Kittle being unable to practice all week, which puts his involvement in the Seahawks game in doubt. Of course, we do welcome back Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey and Juice, which will do the same for the run game as a power pellet does for Pac-Man. It's also worth bearing in mind that uh, the practice report for a Monday night game runs Thursday to Saturday and therefore Kittle still has another two practices to actually participate in. However, even if he doesn't participate, it doesn't mean that he can't be on the active day roster. It could be a game day decision depending on how he feels on the game. When you look at the head-to-head, the Seahawks lead the series 25-16 with the 49ers snapping a 10-game losing streak in the last matchup at Levi Stadium. This was the game where most fans believed we'd lost the chance to actually draft Nick Bosa. Um, long story short, we all lived happily ever after. So when you look at the stats, the, the first thing that springs out is the Seahawks' defence, and it's ranked quite low, considering that for the past eight, nine years, that the Seahawks have built their team around the defence. And it looks as though it's switched sides, it it's flipped. So the 49ers have got the number one defense overall, number one in passing and number 14 in rushing. Where the Seahawks are 25th overall, 28th in passing, but 13th in rushing. So they're not too bad um, stopping the run, but in passing they seem to be having some issues. The offensive side of the ball, it seems to be fairly evenly matched there. So you're going to see two offences that are going to be playing similar, similar level of football. But what I'll say is, so looking at the stats for the Seahawks' defence, what I'd say is that I always think they are rated higher, slightly higher than they actually are due to the environment they're playing at home. The opposing teams have to come into link Field and deal with the noise. At present, they're ranked pretty low in everything apart from run, rush defence. I believe if you take them out of Century Link Field, I think they're going to be ranked even lower. So, even though, obviously, 28th in passing, 25th overall is quite low and quite bad. I mean, they're one of the worst teams. I don't even think they're that good. I think some of the stats are backed up because of the noise. That they have at Century Link Field. The fact that the um, opposing teams on offence have a lot of false starts, which actually builds up their stats as well on defence because they end up with a lot of teams having three and outs. So I think it's a very good opportunity to be playing them this Monday night. They're not looking that good, but obviously you have to take individual matchups into
1: consideration.
0: So having said that, where do you think the pivotal matchups will be on Monday, Stuart?
1: Well, I absolutely agree with what you said about them being a relatively ordinary team coming out of Seattle. Um, but I think it's going to be down to it's the D, D line against Russell Wilson. I think that is going to be the, the single key matchup. You, uh, if you can stop Wilson, then you're going to stop their offense.
0: So you must have the same sort of magic ability that Brian Davis has because you have just basically read word for word what my very first sentence was going to be (laughs) about what the key matchup was. So, yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think the key to stopping the Seahawks is going to be getting Russell Russell Wilson on his back as often as possible. Um, The Seahawks have had great success with both the run and the pass game, and I think that's purely down to how good a player Russell Wilson is. I don't think we can afford to have the same sort of start against the Seahawks as what we did against the Panthers and Cardinals. Both of those games, we allowed them to run on us in the first uh, drive uh, and that kind of drove them on for the rest of the game. Not so much the Panthers because we ended up blowing the Panthers out, but definitely the Cardinals. So, yeah, I think if we can get um, Russell Wilson off his game and stop him commanding the offence, I think that's the key to success.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I think there's there's nothing with this Seahawks team compared to previous years. Recently, I don't think the 49ers have anything major to worry about. There's no uh, uh, from my side of it. There's no trepidation going into this game. Um, full of confidence. Um, mm-hmm. People were saying that the, the Panthers were going to be the real test because they had the number two D at the time, and we just rose above it and just. Trash them, um, I, I. I truly believe that it could be something similar if we can get to Wilson. Yeah. If we can pin the ears back and get pressure on him in er, pressure on him early, rushing four and letting the secondary do what it does, I could see the the Panthers game all over again.
0: Yeah, definitely. And again, that, that's very similar to what I'm thinking. I mean, when you take a look at the Seahawks offensive line, you, you've got to be thinking five plus sacks on the night. Wilson is mobile and has this unbelievable ability to evade pressure. But I've got to say, I think he's in for a very busy night, Monday night, and I don't think he'll get anywhere near as much time as he usually gets to target his receivers.
1: No, absolutely. And you look at, obviously, Kyle Allen isn't Russell Wilson, but the way the guys at the front chase down as well, they're not slow. So they will keep on at you until they get you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be interesting to see how quickly our our own run game develops with the return of Steely and Juice, which will surely give us uh, or get us back to putting up the kind of ridiculous numbers that uh, we put up at the start of the season on the ground, where we were breaching 200 yards on the ground for the first few games while we had both Juice and Steely there. Obviously, if Kittle doesn't suit up, that's going to be a huge loss. Um, it may take away our ability to attack the middle of the field. having Kittle on the field would surely keep uh, Wagner occupied, leaving neither mm. Kendricks or Wright to cover off Dwelly on two tight end sets.
1: I think that I, there's no way that Kittle doesn't sue up. I can't imagine it happen. I can't yeah, I think he does even if he doesn't play that much, he might go on for a couple of snaps, but he's going to be sued up but yeah, I think uh, the run game is going to be a major major key issue as well for us.
0: Yeah, I've got to agree there because I mean the best thing about the Seattle Seahawks defence is the ranked 13th overall against the run and the good run stoppers. But I think because they're so bad against the pass, I think that's where we're probably going to attack them in this game. The Seahawks' secondary are certainly not the same as the Legion of Boom a few years ago. And I can see Debo having a big night. as no doubt they will have either Griff nor Taylor lined up against Sanders, depending on how many receivers we have on the field. And mm. basically talking about the number of receivers, I wouldn't be surprised to see us using a lot more three-receiver sets against a, a past defence ranked 28th. I can definitely see us throwing in the direction of Trey Flowers, who has been utter garbage for the Seahawks this season.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah absolutely. I mean, they could... The Seahawks will go in and think the 49ers are going to run it and they could surprise everyone and just go straight out, throwing the ball around. You know, look how good Emmanuel Sanders has been since he's came across. It's, why not?
0: So are you expecting to see a lot more involvement from Emmanuel Sanders this Monday night's game? He's now had uh, two full weeks, maybe it's two and a half weeks now, to actually go through the playbook, learn it a bit better. Are we thinking that Shanahan's going to open it up a bit more for Sanders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if Kittle doesn't play a lot of snaps, uh, there's a lot of uh, lot of balls going Sanders' way. I think maybe to the detriment of someone like Pettis, but uh, yes, yeah, uh, Sanders and Debo. I think they're in for in for a busy night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're in for a busy night. Um, I can definitely see us passing a lot more against the Seahawks purely because if if Kittle's not there. Obviously, we've got Juice coming back in, who, who basically leads the running backs. However, you can't underestimate the stuff that Kittle does off the ball. When he's not receiving, his blocking has been absolutely excellent, which is why they rate the, him as the number one tight end in the league. Not only can he catch the ball as yards after the catch, but some of the blocks he lays down are absolutely excellent, second to none.
1: Absolutely good. The guy's fearless. just throws himself around all the, all the time.
0: So, looking at who could potentially be playing on the offensive side of the ball for the 49ers, obviously, I've already mentioned um, Staley and Juice, so they're, they're coming back in. McGlinchey is looking to be fit again, and this is a conversation I had with Brian on the review game last week, and that is, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to come straight in for Brunskill, and I think the reason for that is twofold. one. Brunskill's having an absolute excellent season so far. He's playing really well. Um, and the second thing is, McGlinchey's injury was a slightly more, a slightly lengthier injury than what both um, Juice and Staley had. So I was very surprised to find out that he could be playing this Monday night. So I just think because of the way Brunskill's been playing, the mere rest McGlinchey for just one more week.
1: Yeah, and you couldn't argue with that decision if they decided to do it. You know, they've got the buffer now of being 8-0, players coming back. I, I feel, I think I'd feel quite sad for Brunskill and school for that matter just to be shipped out straight away since they've both done really well for a number of games. You can understand Staley coming back in straight away. But that yeah, that right tackle, I'd be happy if uh, McGlinsey was out for another week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference to the game if if they do rest him for another week purely because of the way Brunskill's been playing. But having said that, there is an interesting matchup um, on both sides of the ball. There, you've got the the Clowney Brunskill matchup, so that'll be a huge test for him. He's coming up against um, an elite defensive player. Al- albeit at the moment, I think he's limited in practice. Clowney, he's got either a toe or an ankle injury. So, whether or not he's 100% come Monday night, I'm not sure. I think he's definitely going to play. But I think that'll be a huge test for Brunskill.
1: Yep. Yep. Do you think uh, Salah might put a couple of double teams on him initially to maybe put a tight end on there just to shore up that side?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something that Shanahan's been doing all season. He's been using a lot of two tight end sets. Um, The fact that uh, if, if Kittle doesn't suit up, and we've got Dwelly and Toilolo. That's a terrible name to say. Toilolo, <laughs> Who has also missed practice, by the way. Um, we've only got one fully fit tight end at the moment. So I think it all depends on who suits up, how fit they are, as to how many two tight end sets we play. Obviously, with Juice coming back, it's it's not... As urgent to play two tight end sets, especially to enable the run game. If you've got Juice in there, Juice is going to be doing all the blocking anyway, and that will leave Dwelly free to basically battle against um, Wagner if, if Wagner picks him up going across the field, or either Kendricks or Wright.
1: Yeah, I think Juice is coming back as a as a big bonus for the for the run game. But uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping to see a lot more passing. I think this game. I think that'll be that'll be nice to see.
0: Well, that was definitely the pleasing thing about the Cardinals game because we won the game using something that everybody doubted we had and that was the pass game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was basically because um, Shanahan opened up the offence a little bit more for Jimmy. Jimmy stuck it all on his shoulders. The run game wasn't working for us and he dropped in some absolute peach passes there. Absolutely correct. So, yeah, hopefully we will see something like that again on on Monday night.
1: Although the the showing, I think, the showing from the, the defensive line was a bit not not wonderful, given that Kyler Murray is very similar in, to Russell Wilson. So he got out of the pocket a lot, and it did show, I think, something that we can definitely work on.
0: Yeah, I think they were suffering from a little bit of fatigue going in that game. Obviously, it was a Thursday night game. You only get the four days between games. They are not great again. It's a convers. It's funny. It's a conversation both myself and Brian had on the review show, um, on Monday Tuesday night, and I think it was about an hour after I posted the podcast. I think it was NBC Sports. They had um, they had posted an article on Facebook, and it was uh, an article where they asked John Gruden about Thursday night football, and he turned around and pretty much said the same thing as. Both myself and Brian, he absolutely absolutely hates it. He, he mm. thinks it's a terrible idea to have football on a Thursday night. You don't give players enough time to recover from the Sunday night football, and then you wonder why they keep on getting injuries. So it was just absolutely fantastic timing for that article to come out after that podcast.
1: Absolutely, but it's a it's a benefit now because you had the Thursday night and we got till Monday night to recover. So it's given those extra couple of days for Kittle and you know, other players to rest and get back.
0: Yeah, it's been like a mini bye week, which is good. Um, fingers crossed that Kittle does suit up because I, I think I'm in agreement with yourself. They'll suit him up regardless of whether or not they're going to play.
1: Mm. Why would you give the advantage to Seattle? That's is right. That, that's, a, that's a big boost to them. If they see on the injury report that he isn't active, that's a big boost to them.
0: Yeah, that's exactly my thing. I, I, I'd be willing to risk... One of the active roster spots on the deer to have Kittle just stand on the sideline and keep mm. them guessing. When's he coming in? Is he coming in? Or even just use him on a few downs, like you mentioned, just to pull away some of the um, some of the coverage from some of the other yeah, guys. Absolutely.
1: Because when he's on, the, if he even if he's on the line, he's going to pull. The, he's going to attract their best one of their best players to cover him. So even if he doesn't do a lot, he's still doing a lot.
0: Yeah. So on the Seahawks defense, who do you think's their main player now, or who do you think's the most, um, the one that we need to be worried about most?
1: Well, I think you've mentioned him already, Jaden Clowney. I think he's got the potential to get back and get to Jimmy, um, and that right tackle position is going to have to be on the ball to stop it. Yeah. Um. Obviously. Wagner as well. I don't. I don't really look at their secondary and think, you know, in years gone by where they've had uh, the Legion of Boom that they can pick us off and all that. I don't see that now, but they've definitely still got the players up front who can get the sacks for them.
0: Yeah, as far as the secondary is concerned, I think they've only got Griffin who's playing at a, a decent level this season, which is why the ranks are so poorly in past defense. I think. I'm, I'm sure Griffin is going to be up against Sanders all, all day long, mm. uh, but it all depends on whether or not he plays the type of role that uh, Richard Sherman plays. So generally, you would have your your best quarterback, uh, sorry, your best cornerback up against the best wide receiver. But that's not how Sherman plays. Sherman always plays the left cornerback position, so it, it all depends on whether or not it's going to be like that. Um, if he is up against Sanders, then obviously that leaves Debo, leaves Pettis to one of the other cornerbacks um, or the the nickelback if we play in a three-receiver set. And mm. I think that's going to give us a huge advantage.
1: I think, I th- yeah, I think he's going to... I think Shanahan's going to target a lot of uh, crossing routes over the middle, just try and confuse their secondary. Uh, I can see it working. I can see it working all night.
0: Yeah, hopefully it does. I mean, Shanahan's an absolute genius. I mean, that, that, that name was given to Bill Walsh years and years ago and he hated it, he, he'd rather be called the professor. But mm. Shanahan is an offensive genius with the schemes that he he draws up. And I think that's the reason why we don't need a true number one wide receiver because he's so good at scheming the players that we've got on offence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's just got that ability to get players open. Just, and it, it just works and it's, it's a pleasure to see.
0: So, going back to some of the threats that the Seahawks have, on offense, obviously, Russell Wilson, um, Ricardo Loquette, what about Carson? Uh, Who's having a good season?
1: Yeah. Again, a lot of it comes down to that defensive line, doesn't it? If they can stop them early, make Wilson get out of the pocket and throw the ball. I mean, the players offensively for Seattle that I worried about, D.K. Metcalf, I think his size, if he goes away from, well, even against Sherman, if he goes to the other side, um I think we've got a problem if we also can get the ball out to him on the edge.
0: So DK Metcalf, I'm not really worried about. And the reason for that, when, when I saw him during the combine, I thought he's an absolute beast of a player. He is huge. He, he kind of reminded us, of the type of combined performance that um, Vernon Davis put in before we drafted him. But he also reminds us of another player that we drafted who was absolutely huge and we thought he was going to be um, he was going to be excellent for us in, in the secondary and that guy's called Taylor Mayes.
1: Mm. I mean, the one thing that's not been mentioned yet obviously is missing Quan Alexander and uh, Fred Warder having to step up now and become that sort of defensive leader and his job against Chris Carson is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to want to watch
0: yeah so I think the the absence of Quan uh, Alexander that, that's going to get us in coverage that because he's, he's very good in coverage we've got Elijah Lee who's coming in who's not as good in coverage but he's great against the run he proved that last season so maybe our run defense is going to perk up uh, yeah our run defense is going to perk up a little bit might be to the detriment of the past defense but I've got every confidence in Elijah Lee. I'd completely forget him. he was on the practice squad. So when Brian mentioned that the other day, I, w- I was very happy that we do have him coming in to deputise Alexander. I think the leadership we're definitely going to miss on the field. We, we don't have another leader in the linebacking corps like Alexander. I think Fred Warner's a little bit quiet. I think he can, he can command... The, the defence, to a certain extent, he he was given that as soon as he came in. Shanahan let him deal out the players, um, give him the headset on defence and, and let him organise it all. But I think he's a little bit quiet for my liking. He, he's not as uh, in-your-face as what Alexander is. You can see mm. him getting riled up on the field. So I think we will miss that leadership.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the, the Seahawks put in a few... Uh... Few screen passes in, I think, early on to see how uh, how those linebackers sort of move across and, and and deal with that kind of thing, because they must be expecting to get a lot of pressure on Wilson, so they're going to have to try it at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed with that. So, is there any other any other players you want to pick out as being a matchup nightmare for us, or any other areas that we need to to improve upon from the last year on against the Cardinals?
1: Well, uh, that, that Cardinals game, it stands out as we played all right, but I think we could have played a lot better. And I think there's a couple of things that stood out. And I, yes, they were late on. I mean, their 88-yard TD right at the end, towards the end. And just the way, um, I can't think of his surname, was Emmanuel, the cornerback. The way he jumped the routes and he got well, he got made to made it look really foolish. I just hope... He's learned from things like that and doesn't try and do that because they've got a lot of quick players who can just make you look silly.
0: Yeah, mostly it was a high-risk, high-reward move that. I mean, it has come come off for him this season. It's worked well for him this season. It just didn't there, and it did make him look rather foolish. So I just remembered... One more player that we haven't talked about and to me he is very, very important is Robbie Gould. So potentially we're not going to have Robbie Gould on Monday night and I think the fact that we actually signed a kicker already suggests we're not going to have Robbie Gould. I can't remember the name of the guy that's coming in but I do know out of the... So he's made six out of nine kicks this season. I think he was uh, on the Chargers team and the three he missed were all between 40 and 49 yards. So it's going to be interesting. If it's going to be a close game, which, to be honest, I don't think it will when we get to that when we get down to the uh, the predictions. If it is a close game, then potentially the loss of gold might be the biggest loss of all.
1: It could be, absolutely, absolutely. The guy, yeah, the guy who signed Chase McLaughlin, um, he's... Well, the state, if you look at the state of the, the, the field goal kicking this season already, has, it's been pretty dire. It is. Um, but, um, yeah, you just hope that it doesn't go down to you the know, last kick of the game and it's a 40-yarder for the win. So I don't think that's going to happen, like you said, but let's hope it doesn't.
0: So now that we're talking about who's going to win or lose, let's go over to the predictions. So in the betting circles, the over-under is 47 and the 49ers are six-point favourites. Some say six, some say six-and-a-half-point favourites. To be honest, it's half a point. It doesn't really make make any yes. difference. Um, And the class is huge favourites, which I can understand. So, who do you think will win the game? What do you think the score is going to be?
1: I think the 49ers are going to win, obviously. I uh, like to say before, I don't think the Seattle coming out of Seattle are that good of a team yes they've got a good record but I think we can expose a lot of their frailties so I'm saying if the defence starts quick and gets to Wilson I think we could keep them under 10 and probably put somewhere in the 30s on them so I'm saying 34-10 35-10 I'll go
0: 35-10 Right interesting so I'm glad I'm glad you kind of explained it that way so I I Today's prediction, I'm really torn on, purely because Kittle is an unknown at the moment. So I've actually gone for two predictions, one with Kittle, one without Kittle. So I think if Kittle doesn't play, that's going to be a huge loss. However, I'm still going for a 49ers win. But I think that win will be 24-17, which will be under the 47, but it'll cover the six-point favourites. However, if Kittle does play... I think the score could be much higher for the 49ers. And in that case, I would go with a 35-17 victory. And that would be over the 47 and definitely over the six-point favourites. Mm. So we've gone pretty close there. So if if Kittle players, you've gone for 35-10, I've gone for 35-17. Mm. So we definitely think that will stick points on the board. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, And uh, hopefully we're we both right about the win. And to be honest, I hope we're both right about us scoring 35 as well because I can't honestly see the Seahawks scoring more than 20 on us.
1: No, but then again, I, I agree. I
0: didn't think the Cardinals would either.
1: Well, no, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's all well and good talking about it, but on the on the night, it, it could all be dramatically different. So, yeah, I, I I see it much like going into the Panthers game. I said... On the facebook page i said this is going to be a really tight game as proved completely wrong like everybody was but i can see it going the same way kittle plays i can i can definitely see it go in that kind of way
0: right thank you for joining me on the show dear Stewart. it's been a pleasure thanks for having me i'm going to ask one more thing of you i i would like to see you post that photo in all of the uh, 49ers gear I, when you were a <laughs> kid in the group. Let, yeah, let's have yeah. a good look at that one.
1: I'll, uh, I'll get my folks to get it out. Yeah, I'll get it on there.
0: Yeah, that would be good to see. There was a photo floating about of me when I was, let's think I must have been about 12-year-old, 1985, yeah, in a period stop. I was a 49ers fan at the time, but that was the only American football jersey my parents could find. So the ball is that for Christmas, and I wore it purely because nobody else had an American football jersey. But it, it really pained me the fact that it was the Patriots.
1: Yeah, oh, I had exactly the same thing when I first started watching it. I wanted all the, I wanted like the NFL kit, and I wanted. And my parents, the only thing they could have at the time in, in the Isle of Man, they, they had the choice of a Raiders or a Redskins jacket, and I got a Redskins jacket to wear. Yeah. So um, it was unique at the time because no one else had one. So it was, uh, it didn't make much difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Completely understand that. Right. Once again, thank you to you guys, the listeners. If you haven't already done so, please rate us on iTunes and remember to subscribe to ensure that you get the latest podcasts when they are released. You may have also noticed we're actually available on Spotify as well now. So I got that sorted early on in the week and we now publish to Spotify. Also check out our YouTube channel by searching for 49 Faithful UK and after I get back from Green Bay I will be uploading the daily vlogs that I record while I'm out there. So I'm looking forward to Tuesday's review show where hopefully we'll be discussing another win but until then 49 is deep in the heart Like Joe Montana in the corner D Clark Garrison Hurst Stiff far going 99 Don't get it twisted one and all with prime time John Taylor Jerry Rice down the sideline NDB greatest owner of all time grooving Walgreens Bill Belichick check with all students of Bill Walsh Don't ever forget